You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. Luke chapter 1 and verse 13. Then we'll go to Luke chapter 1 and verse 30. Then we'll go to Matthew chapter 1 and verse 20. And then we'll go back to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 1 and verse 13, reading one verse. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. Luke chapter 1 and verse 30. And it says this, And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 20 But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And then finally, the last verse I take you to is Luke chapter 2 and verse number 10. And the angel said unto them, fear not. Somebody say, fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. We read in chronological order the word from the angel of the Lord to each of these different individuals. And I want to preach today, if I can, four reasons to fear not. Four reasons to fear not. Let's lay our Bibles down one more time. Let's ask the Lord to have his way. Amen. In these next couple of moments together, God, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the word that's been given today. And I ask right now that our hearts would be open to receive what the Spirit wants to say. You know, right now, the things that we hold in our hearts and in in our spirit. I pray right now, every problem, every circumstance, we submit it to your will today. For your glory, in Jesus' name, have your way. And the church said amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated in the house of the Lord this morning. I want to talk about four reasons to fear not. Four reasons to fear not. Last night, thank you for those that were able to be here at our first uh, Saturday prayer. And this will be the mode for the next year, 2018, the first Saturday Of every month, we will gather together in this sanctuary at 7 p.m. to have corporate prayer together. And what a blessing it is every time that we are privileged to join together and and enjoy the presence of the Lord. Amen. Amen. That's a good thing to do. And last night as we were praying and when we closed, I felt uh, uh, reminded of the fact that there are so much angelic presence surrounding the Christmas story. In fact, this story, this narrative has more representations, if you will, of angelic presence than any other narrative that we see. Later on, of course, when Christ does His greatest work upon the cross through the resurrection, we do see the visitation of angels, but there is something unique about the Christmas story, the involvement, the, uh, the specific messages that 
go about to different people, how angels were enlisted. In the New Testament, we see testimony of angelic presence. We see the working of angels among the early church. But most prominently, we see the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament. We see it as God sending his message down before men. We this morning do not worship angels. Paul talks about that. We don't worship angels. But there is something to be acknowledged about the presence of an angel. And us as humans, we do have a certain uh, awe, I guess you could say, if you would ever encounter an angel. Perhaps most of us in here have never encountered an angel aware, but maybe we have done so unaware. We come to the Gospels and we see the angel Gabriel. And the Bible says that he stands in the presence of the transcendent eternal God. He is dispatched as God's messenger and they are warring against the powers of darkness. They are delivering the word of the Lord directly from the throne room down to the individual. We, we do not worship angels this morning because we have something greater than the angels. And that is that we have the relative presence of the transcendent almighty God right here today. Amen. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit is that same spirit of the Almighty God that is here with us. And we are not living pre-Christ. We are living after the Messiah has come and after the promise of the Father has been given. And we enjoy today what Ezekiel prophesied about, that the Spirit of Almighty God is in our hearts, written upon the tablets of our soul is His law and His precepts, and He guides us day by day. We thank God for that. In fact, there's no no greater thing that you ought to thank the Lord for than for the presence of God. But we do acknowledge the phenomenon of angelic presence. I do believe in angels. I do believe that there are messengers of heaven that are warring and working on behalf of the Lord, dispatched by God. And when we encounter those, when those are working. Amen. We praise God for that. I told the church last night, I said in this Christmas narrative, there was a liberty that angels had. Whether the world knew it, there were certain individuals that saw them and testified, but angels were working on behalf of the Lord. And I said in this Christmas season, as we pause to celebrate the festivities and the holidays with Christmas concerts and Christmas programs, I pray that there would be an authority of the Holy Ghost in this sanctuary. Let there be a liberty. God, go ahead and place your angels at the door. Go ahead and place your angels in this community. Release the messengers of heaven to be at work in this place. I believe in that. Amen. But we come to... This story, and I am, amen, captivated by the work of the messengers of God. I cannot say that I have ever seen an angel per se, 
My wife just walked out of the room, so I will skip that moment, amen, to uh, flatter her a little bit. She is an angel, but I'm talking about a heavenly angel that that is a different creature, not human, amen. I, I can't say that I have ever necessarily seen one, but the Bible does testify to it, and no doubt they are at work among us. And so with that in mind, I, I want to bring our attention to this story that has so much angelic presence, so much angelic scene uh, playing out before us. Four occasions that we read, four words that we read, four different individuals the angel of the Lord appears to and the angel speaks to. We, we read them in chronological order as they took place, and so I will present them to you in chronological order as they took place. The first angel that appears comes to a man by the name of Zechariah or Zacharias. He is the priest in Jerusalem. Every angel that appears is going to come with a message saying, do not be afraid, fear not. I want us to say that together, fear not. Let's say it again, fear not. There is much cause in our life for worry, for despair, for anxiety, and for fear. And the angels all brought a message saying, fear not. It was a message of reassurance. And so my hope today is to reassure someone. The first angel that appears is in Luke chapter number 1. And in Luke chapter number 1, he comes to Zacharias. It is the angel Gabriel. And here we see in verse 13 as the Lord is speaking, uh, or as Luke is writing, rather the angel appears to Zechariah, and he's in the temple. He's in the house of the Lord. There's significance about this because Zechariah is of the lineage of the Levites. He is a priest in Jerusalem. He is serving in the temple at Jerusalem. And by this time and day and age, there were many priests, many of the tribe of Levi that would have been around there. And his his, he did not live in the city of Jerusalem, but he lived outside in the hills of Judea, most likely. But Zechariah serves in Jerusalem, and they would go and they would serve for a season, and they would have a rotation of service. And, and this time, the Bible says that the lot fell to Zechariah to offer incense before the Lord. It, it would be that they would cast lots. Whose turn is it this time? Who has the Lord chosen this time to offer incense before the Lord? And they would go to that old temple, that tabernacle that is patterned after what God gave Moses in the wilderness. And they would come and he would take the... the uh, coals off of the altar, and he would enter into the holy place behind those golden doors, and there he would go into there, and there would be the candlesticks and the table of showbread, and there on the altar of incense was a flame that never went 
out. It continually burnt without ceasing. It had originally been lit by the pillar of fire that was in the wilderness back when Moses was leading the children of Israel around. And this was the practice of the believers, the children of God, the Hebrews, that they would keep an altar of incense constantly going before the Lord. And it would make constant intercession on behalf of the sins of all humanity. And so the lot fell to Zechariah this time to be the one that would take the coal into the holy place. This perhaps would have been a once in a lifetime turn and chance. He, he would not have been comfortable. He would not have been accustomed to doing this. It was something that was reserved. There would have been a nervousness and anticipation of what is going to take place as he enters into the holy place this day. It was his lot. It was his turn, his time. And so he goes as one of the Levites to bring intercession before the Lord. And as he's in that place and that day, morning and evening, he is administering the intercession on behalf of the sins of man. He's standing there and all of the sudden there is an angel from heaven <laughs> that is standing there. Now in the holy place in Herod's temple by this time, Solomon's temple, Zerubbabel's temple has rebuilt upon the place of Solomon's temple. There are angels standing there with their wings spread in the holy place over the entrance to the holy of holies. And, and you can imagine the mass of how tall that they were. It would have filled this whole place and so he's standing there before these cherubims and he's offering the incense before the Lord but there appears to him the angel of the Lord standing there. You can imagine. This would have been a moment. He's never done this before. He's never been here before. Is this what always happens? Or am I in trouble? Did I do something wrong? And all of a sudden, the angel of the Lord brings a reassurance to him. And says, fear not, Zechariah, for thy prayer is heard. I want to tell you the first reason why we don't have to fear today is because God came with a word from the throne room to Zechariah to say, Zechariah, your prayer is heard. <laughs> your prayer is heard. I don't know about you, but that gives me great confidence today. Knowing that when I kneel down on my knee and I take up the pattern that the king gave us, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Amen. You may think it's just simple words. You may think it's just a routine. It may your, be your first time ever to stand before that altar. But I got good news for you. If you will pray the prayer, God says, your prayer will be heard. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. What a mighty God we serve. 
The prayer was more than a personal prayer being answered. It was a prayer that had been prayed for hundreds of years. A prayer that had been continued. And so now Zacharias stands. It is, yes, his personal prayer. Because he cannot go corporately before God. Representing all of the congregation of God. Unless it first become his personal prayer. And so he stands there. God atoned for man's sin. As he offers up that incense, he's praying the prayer literally, audibly. He is lifting up his voice in the holy place. In the holy place, he's lifting up his hands before the Lord. God, I'm here to intercede on behalf of sinful man. God, I'm here to pray that someday you send a propitiation for sin. I'm here to pray that someday there be an atonement made for the people of God. And as he's praying that prayer, the angel says, thy prayer is heard. He didn't say the prayer of Israel is heard. He didn't say the prayer of your fathers are heard. He said your prayer is heard. Hallelujah, hallelujah. That tells me something. It tells me the prayers I pray matter. I better be praying the right prayers. Zechariah, your prayer is heard. And he let him know. Zechariah, not only is your prayer heard, but I have chosen you this day. The lot fell to you. It is you that I have chosen. Zechariah, you will be, from you will come the forerunner of the Messiah. You don't think Zechariah knew what was going on? Zechariah knew that the unfolding of the Messiah was about ready to take place. And the Bible says that he could not speak. From that moment, he could not speak. And you can look this up on your own, but he goes out of the place. He can't speak. He gestures at him. And when his service was done, the Bible says he goes back home. And when he gets home, him and his wife, his wife passed uh, uh, the childbearing years. And they conceive and they have a child. And as she's pregnant, he cannot speak. And when it comes time to name the child, they said, the people said, uh, when they brought him back to the tabernacle, the temple on the eighth day to circumcise their their son the people said well we're going to call him Zachariah that's the name of his father and his mother Elizabeth said no his name shall be John and they said no it can't be John you don't have anybody in your family named John there's no meaning of John and so they looked to the father who was the one who had the responsibility the authority of naming the child and, and Zacharias asked for, for, a, for a ledger that he could write on and he writes down the name of John and they said it shall be John and when they declared that you go and you see what Zechariah does as he begins to praise the Lord and his tongue was loose and he spake and praised God in verse 65 of chapter 1 and fear came around and look in verse 67 the Holy Ghost comes upon Zacharias and he prophesied and said blessed be the Lord God of Israel for he hath visited and redeemed his people and hath raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David what he's speaking about is he speaking about Jesus Christ that is going to be born? And he knew that Jesus Christ, why, was not his son, but was the son of Mary because Mary had already visited the house of Elizabeth. It had already been talked about. And what John, what 
Ananias realized was John was the forerunner of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you, the prayers that you pray matter. Zacharias says, God, I want this to happen. And God says, not only is it going to happen, but you're going to be a part of it. You're going to be a part of the forerunning. Can I tell you, when you kneel down and pray prayers, don't ever think you're wasting time praying for revival. Don't ever think you're wasting time praying for breakthrough. Don't ever think you're wasting time praying for a move of God in your family and in your home. God hears your prayer. Hallelujah. So let me speak to the lonely person. Let me speak to those that have been betrayed and abused. Those that are victims of things. Let me preach to those that have things lingering up in your past. You can take reassurance in this. I prayed. Satan get behind me. I've got a word from the throne of God that says fear not. Thy prayer has been heard. Oh. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that I don't have to let my communication to God be, uh, uh, be hinged upon a priest <laughs> or somebody else. Can I tell you, I'm, I'm honored to be the pastor of this church, but can I tell you, you don't have to wait till Sunday morning to say, Pastor, I need you to pray for me. You can kneel right down wherever you're at and say, God, it's me, it's me, it's me, Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Thy prayer is heard. Second thing we move on is Luke chapter 1, verse number 20, where we find the story of the angel of the Lord appearing unto Mary. Verse number 30, that is. Luke chapter 1 and verse number 30. Here the angel of the Lord comes to her and says, You are going to be the mother of the Messiah. And when she saw him, she was troubled at her saying, Amen. And the Bible says, that the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary. Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. There is a confidence. There is a peace that you can possess when you are standing in a place of favor with God. In Luke chapter 1, before the angel of the Lord even comes to Zechariah and Elizabeth, we see why God chose someone like them. Because it says, and they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and the ordinances of the Lord, blameless. There's a sure word of prophecy that was given in Nahum chapter number 1 and verse number 7, and it's this, the Lord is good. A stronghold in the day of trouble. He knoweth them that trust in him. If you can put that on the screen. Nahum chapter 1 and verse 7. The Lord is good. A stronghold in the day of trouble. And he knoweth them that trust in him. Can I tell you? You're not putting your trust in God. That God doesn't see it. That God doesn't know it. He knows who trusts in him. He knows who puts him first. He knows who says God. I, I'm going to set this aside. I'm going to choose you. He knows who's sacrificing other things. He knows who's leaving their flesh behind. And trusting in the Lord first. And he knoweth them 
that trust in him. There's a peace and a confidence that comes. When I trust in God, sometimes I don't know where God's at. But my confidence is not in my feeling. It's in knowing that he knows who trusts in him. That is faith. I put my faith in God. I put my trust in the Lord. And so Mary, fear not. You found favor with the Lord. You say, well, I bring in things to God. I've got, I've, got, I've got stuff in my life. I've got junk in my past. I've got baggage. I've got problems. I've got things. Can I tell you? Paul talked about it and said, we can go boldly before the throne room of grace to obtain mercy. Hallelujah. And can I tell you, God's not saying here that you've got to be perfect. No, he's not saying that. You've got to just find favor. How do you find favor? You find favor by bringing your brokenness, by bringing your emptiness, by bringing your shortcoming and saying God I lay this down and I'm trusting in you. I'm putting my faith in you so you can find favor even in the midst of your dilemma and in the midst of your trial. I'm trusting in God. Don't ever let the devil discourage you. Don't ever let the world worry you. Amen. When you put your trust and your faith in God. Sometimes you've got to just plead your case and you've got to declare, amen, what's going on. Amen. There were a few times that the Apostle Paul had to declare his case before man and before God and before hell. Hey, I may not be perfect. I may have not done everything right, but I've been to the water and I've been baptized and I've been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He's still working on me. I'm not done yet amen but I put my trust in God and my faith comes in knowing that I trust in the Lord you found favor with God amen now amen you've got to keep favor with God you don't want to step out of favor with God don't come and say hey I've got a confidence when you're living you, you, you're living uh, as uh, the late uh, Morris E. Golder said you can't live crooked and die straight Come on, you can't live like a devil and die like a saint. Amen? Come on. You, you, you can't expect to do that. Amen. But when you give your life to God, hallelujah, there is a confidence. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. The three Hebrews went into the fire and said, O king, we're not careful to answer you in this matter. Whether or not God takes us out of this dilemma, we don't know. But one thing we do know, he's already delivered us from the hands of earthly kings. He's already delivered us out of the dominion, amen, of the material things in this world. Our trust is in him. Hallelujah. The third angel comes to Joseph, the father in the home, the one who is the husband, the one who has yet to consummate the marriage with his espoused wife. And when he sees that she is impregnated, amen, he seeks to put her away privately, the Bible says. He, he's not making a show of it. He doesn't want to, out of his love and affection, he doesn't want to shame her in any way, but, but he knows something is wrong. And so the dilemma comes and this righteous man says, I, I, I've, got to, I, I've got to separate myself. I, I can't be a part of this, although it grieves his soul at an angel 
of the Lord comes to him. In Matthew chapter number 1 and verse number 20. And oh, I love, I love this word that the angel gives. And says unto Joseph, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. What the angel is saying is, Joseph, fear not. God's doing this. This is a work of God. You say, well, it seems unprecedented. That's right, Joseph. It's a new thing. <laughs> if you'll turn back, amen, Joseph, throughout the time, you'll remember a prophet by the name of Isaiah that said, hallelujah, behold, I will do a new thing. <laughs> now it shall spring forth. Now shall ye not know it. I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Joseph. Joseph, don't be afraid. Why? Because God's about ready to do a new thing. A new thing in your life. A new thing in your home. A new thing in your community. A new thing in your world. Can I tell you? You know what my hope is today? In all of our prayer, in all of our serving, amen. I don't have to worry. I don't have to be afraid because he's the God that does new things. <laughs> You say, it looks bad. That's right. I don't see how we're going to get out of this one. That's right. I've never been in this place before. That's right. What's God doing? He's about ready to do a new thing. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's how you can stand in the face of cancer and death and tragedy and financial uh, dissolvement. Amen. In your life. And say, hey, I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to fear because he's the God <laughs> that makes old things pass away at all things become new. He's a God that does a new thing. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord today. Hallelujah. God's doing it. God's doing it. God's at work here. The psalmist would write it this way in Psalm 118 and say, this is the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. It was a messianic song. He was singing prophetically to the day when Messiah would come. The day of Messiah wasn't a, a day. It was a season. It was the life. It was the reign of, of the manifest God upon the earth. And he says before he gets there, he said, this is the Lord's doings. It's marvelous in our eyes. What he's saying, this is a man's idea. Man didn't write this. Man didn't make it up. Man could have never conceived of this. Man could have never thought of this. Amen. This is the Lord's doing. This is something that only God can do. In fact, when you look at it, you have to say, only God can do this. And so, Joseph, don't be afraid because God is working a new thing. You know how that applies to me today? It applies to me today in this sense. Amen. I don't have to worry about it. Man can't do it. <laughs> Man can't think this thing up. It's a new thing that God wants to do. In the last days, God's going to have a church. It's a new thing. Man can't create it. Programs aren't going to do it. Amen. Our organization's not going to do it. Our talent's not going to do it. God doesn't need our money. He doesn't need our resources. Amen. He can take those without resources or without talent. And God says, I'm going to build a church where I'm going to build a church. Why? Because it's something that only God can do. Hallelujah. 
I still believe that God can deliver the drug addict. I still believe God can deliver the alcoholic. I still believe God can cast out the demons. I still believe that God can free, amen, the bound. I still believe God does the work. Oh, hallelujah. God, do a new thing. Do a new thing at CTK. Do a new thing in my home. Do a new thing in my family. Do a new thing in my church. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, somebody needs to just listen to the word of the Lord. God's saying, I can do a new thing if you'll just let me do a new thing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It may look impossible. Amen. With men, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Come on. Some of you have been praying for things for 40 years, 50 years. Come on. You got some things on your prayer list. Been on there a long time. Can I tell you, don't give up. Don't quit now. Because what we're praying for is something that only God can do. It's a new thing. Amen. God is trying to do a new work in our life today. Joseph, don't be afraid. This is a new thing God is doing. And finally, we come to the fourth thing, and this is, this is the end, and I close with this as they'll come to the music. The fourth word comes to us in Luke chapter number 2 and verse number 10, when after the birth of Christ, and what a beautiful thing that is, after the birth of Christ, there appears to shepherds on the hillside outside of the city of Bethlehem. There appears an angel of the Lord. You can imagine as they would be afraid. And the Bible says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. They'd never seen an angel before. What's going on here? We do something wrong? What kind of ghost is this here to torment us? And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. The fourth reason why we don't have to be afraid today. The fourth reason why we don't have to fear is that the good news is for all people. The good news is for all people. Even for lowly shepherds. The shepherds are the men, amen, that kept the sheep of the tabernacle. They were the keepers of the sheep that would be offered up for sacrifice. In fact, there was a whole story. We understand that When the time of the lambs were to be born, they would go around and they would gather up all of the lambs. When they would gather the lambs, if there was a lamb that was without blemish and spotless, they would take that lamb and they would would put it in a manger. They They would set that lamb aside and that lamb would be the one, the spotless lamb would be the one that would be used for the atonement sacrifice. In fact, they knew some of the ceremony better than some of the people that worship did because they were in the field amongst the bleeding of sheep and amongst the manure and the eaten up fields of grass. They were the ones that would identify 
the lamb. They were the ones that would actually handle and identify the sacrificial spotless lamb. When the angel tells them, go and watch, they said, you will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. They knew the symbolism of that was this was not just another child. <laughs> but this was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Messiah is come. He's here today. You are the generation that are going to see the birth of Messiah. You're going to see that in your life. The angel says, don't be afraid. Why? Because there's good news. And the good news is not just for kings and throne rooms and palaces. The good news is not just for priests and temples of worship. It's for all people, even the lowly shepherds, the nameless shepherds on the hillside. Can I tell you? <laughs> I'm glad today that I don't have to be afraid because even though my, my, my lineage is not royalty, my, my lineage is not some kind of high society or, or even a priestly lineage, but, but I am all people and the good news is for me wherever I find myself. The good news is for everyone. It's for all. Revelation tells us the final closure, the passage of this beautiful book, the spirit and the bride say, come. Let him that heareth say, come. And let him that is a thirst, come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. There's no accident that when Peter stands up on the day of Pentecost, Eight days, the eighth day after the ascension of Jesus Christ, they are in obedience to the word of the Lord in the temple. And there they are praying. And in that upper room, the spirit of the Lord descends upon them. They are evidenced, amen, by the speaking of other tongues. And they gathered around. When Peter goes to preach the gospel message, it's not an accident that he, that he did not choose the book of Zechariah or Jeremiah or Isaiah or Ezekiel, but he quotes from the book of Joel. And Joel's prophecy alone had the qualifier that affirmed that it was not just for a chosen tribe or family or group of people, but it was for whosoever will. And then the last day, saith the Lord, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. The good news is for me. The good news is for you. The good news is for whosoever will. That's why we go into prisons and we go into maternity homes and we go into Every society that we can get into, we preach the gospel. I'm so honored to be a part of, of, a, of a movement and, and, and more than a movement, amen. I'm honored to be a part of a fellowship that has people preaching the gospel at every place in the world, far reaches of the world. People, we're, we're not just about building a church here, folks. We're about the gospel going wherever it will go because it's for whosoever. We need preachers in prisons. 
But we don't just need preachers in prisons. We need, we need preachers everywhere, on every corner, in every place in the world. That, that's what this is about. Not only that, amen, thank God for those that, not only the lowly, but we need, we need preachers in the high places too. And I'm thankful that we have, you know, we have an apostolic congregation of believers in the United Nations building here in New York City. Right here, United Nations building. And the story that you'll never read about in the news and in the media is that their ambassadors and, and ambassadors from all over the world come into this room. And those ambassadors have staff and assistance and executive assistance. Amen. And those are the people that are coming in. Amen. And receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost, being baptized in Jesus' name, repenting of their sins. <clears throat> The gospel is going to be for whosoever will. And this is something that we ought to champion. In fact, there's something unique about this time that the angel appears from the other times. Zechariah, don't fear because your prayer has been heard. Mary, don't fear because you found favor with God. Joseph, don't fear because this is the Lord's doing and God's doing a new thing. But he comes to the shepherds and says... Don't fear because there's good news of great joy for all people. And the Bible says, and this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And in a moment, it's just a verse to us. But to them, it was the unfolding of all of their religious ceremony and hundreds of years of prophecy. They knew it had all culminated. They understood exactly what it meant. And when the good news had been preached, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts Praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. If there's ever a time to call a choir performance, it's when you're singing and declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ for whosoever will. Not just enough for one angel to say it. The Bible said there was a heavenly host. <laughs> You want angels to be in your life. You want angels to follow you around. You want angels to be warring on your side. Come on. You be about the gospel of Jesus Christ. You be about the good news of Jesus Christ. There will be a multitude stand together with me today. It's for whosoever will. No preference. No restriction. No prejudice given to status, creed, intellect, or resources. But it's open for whosoever will. I got four reasons not to fear today. I've got four reasons not to fear. Why would we be afraid with those four things? I wonder if we can bow our heads all across this place this morning. Hallelujah, Lord. I don't know what it is that you carried in here this morning. I don't know what it is that you have in your life, in your heart. Christmas time, the holidays can be sometimes the most painful time of the year. And some people just can't wait for it to pass. But can I tell you, there's a reason. And the reason 
is Jesus Christ. Don't skip over the greatest blessing that God has for us today. Don't be afraid. Let the Holy Ghost work inside of your heart. Can I tell you, God hears your prayer? Can I tell you today, if you're trusting in God, you're standing in a place of favor with the Lord? Can I tell you today that God wants to do a new thing in your life? Maybe 2017 wasn't what it should have been. Maybe it wasn't what it could have been. Maybe it wasn't what you wanted it to be. Amen. Maybe it's time to step out and say, God, I want you to do a new thing in my life. But what I need to know is that this is for whosoever will. There's no restraint to his joy, to his anointing, to his presence, to his promise. It's not reserved for just the priest or the preacher. It's not reserved for just the worship leader, but it's for whosoever will. And I wonder this morning if there's a hunger and a desire for God to work inside of your life. In Jesus' name, with heads bowed and eyes closed, I wonder if there's somebody to be honest enough to say, God, I need you to do a new thing in my life.